Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weird World, the podcast that is weird. This one is actually, weird. judging from the title, <laughs> a weird world about weird world. Hmm, what? intriguing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. What? Carrie's yeah. going to lead us. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to tell a story. And our main character... Will I be able to do a timeline? Yes. Good. Sweet. It's a real-life story about real-life people, and our main character's name is Pauline. Again, I want to stress, we've never done a story, a fictional story about fictional people, <laughs> so... I, oh, we have two. No. Yeah. Fictional, sure we have. Yeah. No. Creatures and stuff. Well, yes, but you know what I mean. Not like... Okay. Never mind. Okay. Our main character's name is Pauline. Pauline. She was born in 1965... In Canada. So this is a story from our neighbors to the north. All right. Two years later, she had a little brother named Ted who was born. She didn't have him. Her mother did. No. Uh-uh. They lived in the Vancouver area. Her parents were Ruth and Warren. Ruth and Warren. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's Van- just a little bit of background on Pauline. No, I like it. Warren was 15 years older than Ruth. Did they have Canucks season tickets? Mm, sports there, Vancouver. I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Warren was 15 years older than Ruth, and this just happened to be his second family. He had already been married and divorced and had two children. Oh, shit. With his previous wife. It their happens. Name, their names were Tom and Linda. Oh, thanks. Thank you. It's important. Both of his previous wives, Tom mm. and Linda. They met when Ruth was a stewardess. Um, flight attendant, thank you. Well, this was way back in the 60s, so she was a stewardess. I see. So if we use the N-word back in the 19th century, you should still use it now. Is that it? Is that it, Mark Twain? Is that it? I didn't think so. Go along. Please. We're going to cut that out. (laughs) Please um, update your verbiage. Ruth was a stewardess, and he was a well-to-do, newly divorced investment dealer and director with a securities company. Don't ask me what that is, because I have no idea. (laughs) They deal in securities. Sure. I have no idea what securities are. financial instrument. Yeah, I figure. He flew a lot, you know, for his securities job. (laughs) (laughs) And he was very flirtatious with Ruth. And one day he finally asked her out to dinner, which was a big no-no. Stewardesses were not allowed to accept dates with the customers. But they were allowed to smoke as they walked down the aisle and brought (laughs) you food. They probably were. They also were not allowed to get married. Or what? At well, all? You, if you got married, you couldn't keep your job. What? Yeah. Why? Because oh you couldn't be a, a married you couldn't be a married teacher either. The, the world was a monstrous place. Oh wait a second, I lied. You could yeah. be a married teacher, but you couldn't have a baby. If you had a baby, you had to quit. Well, okay, no, that's fair. But <laughs> the first part. Because my mom was a teacher, and she had to quit when she had my brother. And Donna... In hindsight, he was not worth it. Hey. (laughs) Donna, our next-door neighbor, my godmother, was a stewardess, and she had to quit when she got married. Damn. Wow. Mm -hmm. We've come a long way, baby. People are allowed to have jobs now. Yep. It's good. And and marriages at the same time. Anyway, Warren was tall and charming, and Ruth just wasn't able to resist. Can I go back? Yeah. I just want to say, not long enough, though. Hashtag me too. We have not come nearly far enough, mm. but we've, we, we're doing better. <laughs> Thanks, Dean. <laughs> okay. Uh, he was tall and charming. He took her to nice restaurants where everyone seemed to know him. He was also 
an alcoholic. Mm, weren't we all Shoot. back then? <laughs> no, we weren't all back then. Warren alcoholism. Got it. His son from his first marriage, Tom, used to say he was a friendly drunk. But with his second family, not so much. Uh-huh. He was mean and abusive to Ruth. Mm. One night when the kids were still preschoolers, Ruth's father had been visiting. Ruth's mother was long. She died when Ruth was a little girl. So her father was visiting and Warren came home late, drunk, and then proceeded to drink more with Ruth's father. And when Ruth said that, you know, he'd had enough to drink because he dropped a glass and it shattered all over the floor. That was not a good call. Yeah, Yeah. he, he flipped out. She said that she and the kids couldn't live like this anymore. And, of course, as yeah. men did back in the day, he told her those were his kids. And if she tried to leave him and take them, it would only take two doctor signatures to have her committed to a mental institution, and she would never see them again. Is this 1847? <laughs> Apparently. This and, was in the 1960s. And, by the way, mean drunks rarely react well to, you've had too much to drink. Mm-hmm. That's never, <laughs> never done. Anyway. Well... So he took his father's decorative war sword off the wall, which is where you keep your decorative war swords. Uh huh. Where else would you keep them, Carrie? And under the bed. Don't be ridiculous. It's on the wall. Obviously, go ahead. Sure. And raised it above his head, like to hit her. She just froze, closed her eyes, and when she opened them again, the sword was stuck in the hardwood floor right next to her. Oof. Uh oh. So a warning or just drunken aim? Probably just drunken aim. She turned and she saw her father, that her father had been watching the whole thing from the kitchen doorway with a stunned look on his face. But didn't attempt to intervene. Didn't even say anything to her. He turned around and went upstairs to the guest room. (laughs) Whistling. Didn't say anything. (laughs) The next morning, when he came down, he came, yeah, when her father came down, he came down with a suitcase and left. He was supposed to be visiting for a whole week. Oh my god. But didn't take his daughter oh. with him to get away from these sword nope. sword wielding drunken wow. Nope. So she had issues with her father too. I think yeah. he yeah. drank a bit too himself. Mm. Anyhow. So this is the ex- era where women couldn't get pregnant, couldn't get married if they had certain jobs, and their own parents would either take the side of the drunken, mean, abusive, murderous husband, or at least let him, you know, I'm saying, hey, it's his wife now. Yeah, not my daughter, his wife. Probably a fair amount of men would take that attitude. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that all of them would Hmm. not defend their daughter. (laughs) (laughs) So moms are not all men. (laughs) There were some good men in the 1960s. I'm not aware of them, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway... Ruth decided, finally, in 1969, she'd had enough, and she was getting a divorce. It was a bitter divorce, mm. dragged on for years. The disputes over you know, child visitation and support and everything dragged on for almost a decade. What happened to the two doctors and Madhouse scenario? Uh, I guess he probably forgot that because that was the threat when he made when he was drunk. <laughs> he didn't do that. Ruth was granted $800 a month in support. As long as she continued to live a chaste life. Okay, good lord. Jeez. Isn't that some kind of patriarchal bullshit? Could you imagine? Who's going to check? Right. 
I guess she still have to adhere to it because she she'd be worried he's gonna hire a PI or something like that, take some pictures of being not chased or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Pauline and Ted continued to live with their mom in the family home in North Vancouver, which was real nice, you know, because their dad was affluent. And strange things started happening. I hope this is a ghost story. <laughs> no, no oh, ghosts. Shoot. So they would like come home one day and their mother would say, quick, quick kids, take off your shoes. Wait, what? And go, uh, go in the bathtub and wash your feet in the bathtub. And then after you get out. Wait, she'd come home? Or no, the kids would like come okay. home from school. School, okay. Wash your feet in the bathtub. <laughs> take off your shoes. Wash your feet in the bathtub. Okay, well, what's weird about that? And then put My these plastic parent. bags over your feet. Okay. So, so then they'd have to walk around with bags over their feet. She told them, and, the, and then they had to leave. They had to get out of the house. What? Well, she told them that the carpets had been cleaned with some kind of harmful chemical, and she didn't want them to get sick. Oh. A little bit weird. Okay, yeah. And uh, they didn't see their dad a whole lot during this time. He continued to drink, and like one time uh, they were over at, his he you know lived in the bachelor pad apartment. Damn like right he did. Dad's divorced dad's I'm always do. Mustard carpeting. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he had no, avocado uh, probably. Avocado, avocado, yes, a silk shirt buttoned down mid chest. Yeah, definitely and, uh, all the chest hair showing. He had a he had a unit that looked the balcony looked over the pool. Mm-hmm. Well, and, speaking of the pool, okay. they did ha- there was a pool, and really. one time mm-hmm. their mom came to pick them up, and. There, she sees the kids, maybe six and four, something like that, in the pool. No dad. No Jesus. dad anywhere. Jesus. So she, you know. He left Francesca to watch. Get out she of the needed pool. smoke. No, he was drunk in the apartment. He left <coughs> Francesca to watch them, Carrie. I'm not sure anybody was watching them. She needed some pal mouths. <laughs> he paid 800 bucks to keep the kids away from him, so it's <laughs> kind of her fault. Well, around this time, they got these new family friends. Their you names. Know, you you kind of just glossed over the whole wash your feet, put bags on them, we have to leave the house kind of thing. So is that the start of the uh, the strangeness? Yeah. Okay. Yep. They made these new family fa- friends. Their Sorry. names were st- what? Sorry. Stan and Sybil Sears. Ooh. That sounds like some '60s names. Yes, yep. it does. Ruth uh, had met. Is there going to be a fishbowl involved in this story? No. No. Ruth had met Stan. He was a minister and a counselor. When someone at an Al-Anon meeting recommended to him to, him to Ruth as a counselor because she was having a hard time after the divorce, which I didn't know Al-Anon existed way back then. Oh, I thought it was a more recent phenomenon. Are we in what early seventies now? Seventies, yeah. Okay. Yeah, hmm. but I guess it did. So she began. Seeing Wait, Alcoholics Anonymous. Al-Anon is for. Um, is that the same thing? Al-Anon is for family members of alcoholics mm. in Saudi Arabia. Never mind. Okay. What? <laughs> a few people will get that. Okay. So Ruth began seeing Stan Sears as a counselor, and um, then, and then she took a job as a secretary at the church where he worked. Okay. We this is the swing in seventies. We know what's going to happen. Here. Well, that sounds like my grandmother's life because that's what she did too. Oops. <laughs> Except for the counseling. <laughs> yeah, well, it still was a swing in seventies. She divorced an alcoholic and then became a secretary at a church. Oh. Interesting, Cute. huh? And then went to fishbowl parties. Nope. Oh, my God. Not Grandma Polly. <laughs> One day, the kids were told, pack a bag, kids. We're going for a sleepover at the Sears house on a school night. Damn. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. 
sleepovers are not allowed on a school night, are they, Emma? No, they're not. Don't think anywhere. So after they got there, everybody just seemed a little bit weird, kind of on edge. And, you know, Pauline's a little girl, but she's noticing these things. After she goes to bed, they hear this really strange commotion, and it sounds like it's coming from, you know, down in the basement of the house. Things are getting banged around, and they can. Hear, she hears grunting and all are kinds of really we, weird noises. Are we going to have some satanic sacrifice? I'm <laughs> well, trying here. Satanic I'm pitching, panic. I'm pitching some ideas that you might swerve into. Well, it was kind of scary, and it was loud enough to wake everybody up, and they all, you know, kind of gathered in the hallways of their bedrooms to see what was going on. And the kids were told, everything's fine, nothing's going on. The dog was upset. The dog was upset. That's the worst line mm-hmm. two grown people having sex have ever told children. <laughs> the dog's upset. Don't worry about it. It does sound like it's sex noises, doesn't it? does. <laughs> well, this didn't make any sense to Pauline. And she thought this didn't really explain the noises. But whenever weird things would happen, their mom would say... The dog was upset <laughs> all the time. Or just, you know, don't worry about it. I'll explain everything to you later kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you when you're older. Mother, why are you crying? The dog's upset. The dog is just... <laughs> they would also... And, you know, Stan and Sybil Sears were involved in a lot of things. They would take impromptu camping trips. You know, come home from school. Pack a bag, we're going camping. And then, you know, they'd go hiking and then they'd end up in some remote cabin in the woods. Or, what? or no, we're not going to school today. Come on, we're going to drive three hours to go bowling. Okay. What? <laughs> and then they go bowling. Mom, there's and, seven bowling alleys closer. I don't understand. Yeah, on a school day, you know, just weird. I mean, you know, it's fun to skip school and go bowling, but sure, sure. it's weird. It's very it's weird, weird and unexplained. And whenever Pauline and her brother would ask, what the heck, Mom? She would just say, I love Pauline! And she'd start crying, and she'd say the dog was upset. (laughs) I'll explain when you're older. I'll explain when you're older. Why we went bowling. She got t-shirts that said, I'll explain when you're older. In 1974, so at this time, Pauline is nine and Ted is seven. Wait, wait, wait. 19, I got a new timeline here. 1974, Pauline is nine. Nine. Ted is seven. Ted's Remember, they live in North Vancouver. North Vancouver still. They're told, hey, let's go on a vacation. We're going to go to Winnipeg. Okay. All right. It's across the whole entire country, isn't it? Not the whole country. Winnipeg's central Canada. Pretty far? Like a thousand-ish miles? I bet it is, yeah. It's pretty far. So, hey, we're going to go on vacation. Fun. Going to Winnipeg. When they get there, their mom says, no, we're moving here. We're never going home. Ugh. From Vancouver to Winnipeg? Yeah. No offense, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, but that is a, at least climate-wise, major step down. Yeah. Yeah. And she, they couldn't contact any of their friends. You know, Ted Seven, what's he going to do? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Pauline had friends and stuff, and so they couldn't contact anybody from Vancouver, including their dad. Ooh. Yeah. So Pauline, you know, she's nine. She knows, you know, stuff with her dad wasn't good and that he was an alcoholic and all that kind of stuff. Things were pretty chaotic mm. around the divorce and stuff. So she just figured you, that her mom was trying to move them away from their dad. You rescue yourself with the word chaotic chaotic in that last sentence because it started out with she figures stuff not good, bad, but stuff chaotic. Never mind, we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the tape isn't going to be on your side there. I think I said that very... You almost said good. Mellifluously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go back. So anyway... In Winnipeg, 
Ruth bought a nice fixer-upper house. Actually, it was a mess. <laughs> it was really a fixer-upper. She named her house Ginsburg, so we would say Ruth bought a Ginsburg. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's not even cute, Apologize. <laughs> and she got a job at the Provincial Hydro Company. Ah. What is water? that? Water? They make water. <laughs> water. Or it could be water power, right? It could be dams. Hydro. Anyway. Sure. Let's go with that. Ruth got a job there. And as it would turn out, Stan and Sybil Sears also moved from Vancouver to Winnipeg mm. at the same time. So Stan and Sybil. Yeah. That's interesting. So he's still with the, the wife that he's clearly cheating on with the mom at this point. What's the mom's name again? Ruth. Ruth. He's a minister, Dean. Yeah. Like I said, clearly. Is he a youth pastor? <laughs> well, Morris. so they had already been spending a fair amount of time with Stan and Sybil, and that continued. And Stan basically kind of became their surrogate dad. And in fact, eventually they'll start calling him Papa. Oh, well, that's even more disturbing. No, it's not. He's a good guy. He's real nice to them. They have a very good relationship. Five years after the move to Winnipeg, they move again. This time, Ruth... Wait, are we in early 19, late 1970s? Or, or wait, 70s? It's five years after 1974, so 79. So wait, I could do that? Oh. <laughs> okay, so they moved We should to, let Emma do that math. We should have, yes. Wait, let's let her now. Okay, go. What? 74, five years later. What year is it? 79. Good job. Pittsburgh Pirates win the World Series. We are family becomes the mantra for mm-hmm. all America. This time, though, Ruth... Told Pauline and Ted that they were moving. Yes. Where did they move to? Did you tell us? I didn't tell you. Oh, sorry. They were told they were moving, but they couldn't tell anybody. Pauline's 13 by this time, and hmm. she finally you know, had a really good friend, and she was kind of pissed off at her mom that she couldn't tell anybody, that they couldn't tell anybody, because that's how everything had been all along. We're going on vacation, but you can't tell your friends. Yeah. We're, you know, we're going out to eat. You can't tell your friends. You can't tell your friends where we're going or what we're doing or even that we're doing anything. And Pauline and Ted always thought it was weird that they had a very strange family and a very strange life. Like, who would their? Why would their friends care that they were taking a vacation or you know? The, the who are they going to tell? Of it, right? Yeah, that was strange. Yes. I mean, that in hindsight, we kind of blew an opportunity to not raising our kids like that just to inject some <laughs> fake adventure yeah just like oh kids you have to keep this a secret your life depends on it and just mess just say whatever and every pa- time we went somewhere we could have dressed it up like as a uh, yeah. mission for the cia mm-hmm. just went down south to southern california and visit family and friends <laughs> if you tell anyone up here you'll die well and pauline and ted would have conversations about how abnormal and strange their family life was. Emma, would you have preferred it had we, every time we traveled somewhere, we told you it was for a secret mission and that you couldn't tell anyone about it. Wouldn't that have been cool? Um, That probably would have been cool when I was really little Mm -hmm. and like imaginative. But once I hit probably 10, I would have not liked it. Also, there's no way you would have kept that secret. You would have told Geneva the second we told you (laughs) where we were going. My parents are spies. Did you know that? secret (laughs) agent ever. We're going to start now see if it takes. It's not too late. Well, so this time when they were moving and her mom said, you know, you can't tell anybody, she just happened to be having a sleepover with Mm. her 
best friend. And could you imagine being 13? You can't tell your friend. And her mom said, and when I pick you up in the morning, we're getting in the car and we're, that's when we're leaving. So no no teary long goodbye. You just still in Winnipeg at this point. Yeah. You just got to say so long. Like I'll see you when we get back kind of thing. And her best friend's name was Peggy. So she had to say goodbye to Winnipeggy, her very close (laughs) friend. So weird. Weird. (laughs) Did that in time. <laughs> that was frightening. So anyway, Pauline actually did tell her best friend. Oh, she but she told her that my mom is really secretive about this stuff, so and mm. I'm not supposed to tell anybody. So Pauline when, told Peggy. So God. when we say goodbye tomorrow, you please act like it's no big deal, oh, okay. and I'll try to write you. Wow. Yeah. That would, I mean, think about that, telling the kid. We're, I'm picking you up tomorrow morning. You just yeah. found out right now tonight we are leaving the city you've lived in for five years, never mm-hmm. coming back. Yep. Insane. Yeah. Well, and I didn't uh, write this down, but actually I got a lot of this, and we'll put it in the, um, in notes. the notes of my sources, but Pauline actually has written a book, and oh. it's, it's mm. quite a bestseller in Canada, oh. I believe. I think it's called Run, Hide, Repeat. Run, hide, repeat. And I in, like it. And in the book, she tells about how when I think she was about 11, so it was after they moved to Winnipeg, she suffered from like little kid depression. Aww. And she literally couldn't go to school. You know, she, which we've experienced this in our little household of, you know, a kid just can't go to school. And um, <laughs> was me. So like the first day, it's like, okay, you can stay home. And then, so she had to go to work with her mom. And then the second day, it's like, I, you know, she'd try to get up and, you know, her mom would try to take her to school and she'd be bawling in the car, refusing to get out. And so the mom, okay, so, you know, she'd take her to work again. And then 11th grade rolls around. <laughs> well, but this is amazing because of the time when it was, and this is like, yay Canada, because this yeah. never would have happened in the U.S. of A., where somebody must have mentioned to her mother, why don't you take her to see a counselor or to see, you know, to see a child psychologist or whatever. So she did. And this child psychologist basically, I mean, she gave her therapy and everything, mm-hmm. but she basically told her, okay, you're not right. You don't have to go to school. She didn't go to school for six months wow. instead Jesus. every day because the mom had to do something with her because she was a single mother working. Mm-hmm. So every day she would go to work with this child psychologist and they would give her little jobs to do they had a tutor for her there so she could keep doing her school work uh why was this not available for me (laughs) i thought this was just amazingly wonderful in the 70s they get emma a fashion designer who takes her to work and no i honestly winnipeg to child psychologist i would love that shit Mm. well you did a stint in the um madhouse in the office of the middle school i did spend a lot of my days (laughs) in the office did they ever put you to work? Yeah, I answered oh phones God. and shit. <laughs> she made a lot of wallets for the Thailand market. <laughs> so anyhow, so this little treatment thing worked, and she yeah. worked her way through this depression, and then she... Little kid depression, as you called it. Yeah, because <laughs> she was 11. And then I think she didn't end up that... or Maybe she went back to school like right at the end of the school year, and then right after that was middle school. So... Mm. She new, could kind of people. start over. Yeah. And then okay, she yeah. made this wonderful friend, which I feel bad that I forget her friend's name. But Where were they living at that this point? This was no. Winnipeg. Oh, so no, it's not Winnipeg. It's a different friend. No, then she met this friend. Uh, oh, Winnipeg. Well, her name is Peggy. Yeah, really. her name is Peggy Sue. No, but, it's, it's so anyway, Peggy. so 
I thought that was nice. Good job, Canada. Yeah, Canada. Thank you, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. So anyway, they're told they could, you know, they're moving this time. They go pick up Pauline from her friend's sleepover, get in the car, and off they go from Winnipeg to St. John, New Brunswick. St. John, New Brunswick. Where's Where's that? that? That's the far east. So So now this is maritime provinces, as they call them. Yes. Yep. So it's still Canada. Yeah, it is Canada. But even further away from her father, it seems. Now they are completely across the country. Mm -hmm. It's like going from L.A. to Maine, (laughs) kind of here. Yeah. With a stop in, I want to say Minneapolis. Okay. It's a good uh, visual analogy. (laughs) And then, don't you know, Stan and Sybil moved. <gasps> to New Brunswick as well. Less of a coincidence, more of a either stalking or an arrangement. Yeah. It is coincidental. And no. Polly just thinks a little bit weird. A little and, bit. And and actually, she's now, what'd you say, 13, 13, 14? So, yeah. Actually, Pauline and Sybil have a really good relationship. They, you know, when they take off on their little impromptu hiking trips or camping trips, the two families, she and Pauline. They're both avid swimmers, so you know they go off and find a well, place to go swimming. And at least one of Sybil's personalities was an avid swimmer. <laughs> swimmer. The other is not so much. So anyway, it sounds like Stan and, and Sybil were very nice friends. I'm to sure have. they're very nice friends. Yes. So you know this was their last move. They stay in New Brunswick. Pauline finishes high school, and then goes to college, and then begins a job as a journalist. Oh. oh. Good for you. She's a journalist. She starts dating. She meets a guy. They get engaged. She buys a house. Oh, I thought you were going to tell what kind of dates they liked. No. They like beaches and movies and, (laughs) well, you know. Freezing, freezing beaches. (laughs) She's become an adult. And then one day in February of 1988. Hold on. I've got a timeline going. February 1988. Pauline is 23 years old. Pauline, 23. Because I know that's your next question. It is. Ruth, I think Ruth is living in Halifax now. Okay. Which is also of Maritimes. Yes. And... I think, is that Newfoundland? I don't remember. Nova Scotia, isn't it? Is it Nova Scotia? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And Pauline is still in St. John. And so Ruth calls Pauline and asks her to meet somewhere, kind of like halfway in between where they live, because I think they're a couple hours away from each other. And uh, she says she's finally going to explain all the weird things their family did mm-hmm. while Pauline was growing up. So they meet at a service station in Sussex. And Pauline parks her car and got she gets into her mother's car. Her mother was acting a little bit strange. She kind of went to hug her, and her mom was just being weird. She handed her a note and an envelope. Mm-hmm. The note read, don't say anything. Take your jewelry off. Put it in the envelope. I'll explain when we get where we're going. We so have to do this to one of our kids. <laughs> Just one of them. <laughs> well, it can't be Emma. <laughs> Damn it. So her she mom. She would be the one to like the call for us. Like, <laughs> no, Rachel. Yeah, probably Rachel. Oh, my God. We can totally do this to Rachel. <laughs> Meet us in Fresno. <laughs> we have something to tell you. Rachel listens to the podcast. So. Damn it. Anyway, so her mom drives to a motel and, you know, parks get out, they go into, her mom had already rented a motel room, so they go into this motel room, and Pauline's like 
a little bit freaked out mm-hmm. about this is very cloak and dagger. Yes. And she notices that it it's the kind of motel room where there's an adjo- a door to an adjoining room. Mm. And all of a sudden, which those doors are always creepy to me. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's like, who's gonna who's yeah. in that other room? What's the point of that? It's not a good thing. Well, you so you you can have a room for your kids or yeah, your go mother-in-law. out your door into their door, and so you never have to have a situation where two strange people have a door between them. I don't. Yeah, but if you it's have not kids, it's good. If you enough. have kids, then both doors are open. I you know, leave the door that's open. A terrible idea. Anyway, the adjoining door suddenly opened, <gasps> <laughs> and in walked a man. Mm, yes, Stan. Stan, Stan Sears. <clears throat> She was happy to see him sure. because, you know, it had, it had been a little while since she'd seen him, but she was super confused mm-hmm. as to why he was there. She hadn't seen him in years. It turns out Stan and Sybil only lived in New Brunswick for a couple of years, you know, after they all moved there. And and then they moved back out west. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. So she hadn't seen him since she was a teenager. Okay. So they sat down to explain to Pauline all the strange things that had happened in her <gasps> life as she was growing up. Dun, dun, dun. Her mother told her that when she and her father were going through a divorce, she was suicidal. That she had actually contemplated contemplated overdosing herself, Pauline, and Ted. Wow. Oh, my you, God. You know what? That's not something you ever admit <laughs> no. to your children. I might have omitted that. Good Lord. I thought about I killing you. I filled up the bathtub for you kids. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Don't go there. Sorry. But she said she couldn't, because she couldn't imagine leaving them without a mother, because she didn't want to yeah. leave them with their father. So it's the, you know, that old tale. Yeah. <laughs> Better off dead. Tales all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it was at yeah, that. That's never a good excuse. You know what? Go ahead and leave your kids. Somebody will take care of them. Yeah, don't worry about I know. them. They'll be fine. Don't murder them. Don't. Well, she pretty We're much. We're anti-child murder. Yes, we are. Yeah. It's a brave position <laughs> to take, <laughs> I know. <laughs> she pretty much grew up without a mother. and Pauline? No, oh. Ruth, Ruth. Oh, Ruth. And had a pretty difficult childhood and stuff. And, and Pauline does go into some of that in the book. So that is a little bit of background, which, okay. you know. Still, I don't think I would kill my children. No. And oh, good. Ruth yeah, I'm glad didn't. to hear you say that. And in Ruth's defense, she was she clearly suffering from depression. Yeah. And we know what happens when you're suffering from depression. And but that that was at this time that she went to Stan for counseling. And so clearly ah. Stan helped her. Hmm. Yeah. Helped her with her clothes off. So Stan told her that he had begun counseling a man who was an alcoholic and was trying to dry out. He was part of an organized crime syndicate, <gasps> the mafia. The, oh, shit. The Canadian mafia, a very polite mafia mm-hmm. that asked to kill you. Well, he was ashamed this for is, what he'd oh, done. Thank you. And Sorry. He, he regretted his time in the mafia, and he talked about some of his crimes, and he wanted to be forgiven. Sorry, we have to ice you, don't you know? This man didn't finish his counseling because he was assassinated by the mob. (gasps) Ice pick. But, well, his associates had noticed a change in his behavior, and they were suspicious. So they followed him and found out that he was talking to Stan. And they assumed that he was divulging secrets about their operations to Stan. This might have been the impetus for Sopranos. 
Could be. In some way. Mm. And so they assumed that Stan knew too much yeah. also. Well, so sure. They oh. had to take out the guy, but now Stan was a target too. Yeah. And apparently Pauline's father, Warren, was also involved with the mafia. Why wouldn't he be? That's why he had so much sure. money and stuff. Ah. And that wasn't so outlandish to her because she knew growing up that her mom had suspicions about her dad's business dealings because there was stuff that her mom had said over the Wait, years. He wasn't security. That was, mm-hmm. oh, he was the securities guy. Yeah. Okay. Before the divorce, well, one of the suspicious things was before the divorce, they had had this custom-made chair in their house, and they, they had a really nice house. And As only a mobster would. Mm-hmm. And But he would just, like, come <laughs> home with luxurious stuff, or, or huh. he'd come home with a brand-new car that he paid cash for, yeah. or he'd come home and say, I, I bought a vacation cottage, you know, somewhere. Her logic is rock solid. Very yes. weird, People yes. with money who can buy things <laughs> are in the mafia. Are yes. mafia. Well, so they had this custom-made chair, and her mom found some papers hidden inside the chair that it must have like like a list or a ledger or something, I don't know, but with money laundering businesses with names and account numbers. So her father was involved in money laundering. He had also, uh, when her mom was pregnant with her little brother, Ted, her dad had offered to fly her and a nurse in a private plane to Mexico so that she could have the baby in Mexico. So, that so he, it could be a Mexican citizen. That seems like it's yes. the opposite. So he would have dual citizenship, so he could eventually put businesses in Ted's name in Mexico. Oh, okay. I don't know what the advantage to that I, is. Yeah, I don't know. Money laundering businesses, drug trafficking Maybe. businesses mm-hmm. that you know you incorporate. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of people incorporate. The, yeah, uh, I obviously. Know. Weird. Cartel. Well, we so are the cartel incorporated. So Warren had worked or was working with the mob. Stan knew too much because of the guy he counseled who was working for the mob. And then Ruth was working for Stan, and she was the ex-wife of the mobster, Warren. So she was now a target of the mob because they assumed that she and Stan knew too much. Mm. And that they were possibly working with the authorities to bring down the mob. If this is how the mob operated, there'd be no one left alive. I mean, <laughs> exactly. anybody. Who did you talk to today? Kill him. Well, the teacher. Well, the kids talked to the teacher. Kill the teacher, too. Well, they were being watched, and the, you know, the mafia was trying to figure out what was going on. But so they were all targets, sure, including sure. the kids. Ruth told her that. That's um, what we can tell our kids. We're, we've been in witness production this entire yeah. their entire lives, and we can just make up names. <laughs> uh, Phil and Judy Anderson. That's gonna is be your our, real names? Our real names, yeah. Interesting. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Yeah, because they would pick our new names to be what they are. Carrie and Dean. Yes, they would, Carrie. <laughs> Can't be too obvious. Anyway, excuse me. I'm going to cut that Okay, out. Veronica. I mean, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was... Julie. What was our name? We've had many, many I forgot aliases, the names Carrie. Already. All right. <laughs> well, Ruth told her that early on in all this saga, she and Stan were traveling to a meeting at another church. And on the way, they noticed this car following them and basically started chasing them. They ended up at the end of a road. So now the two cars were facing each other. Yeah. And she could see two men in the car with guns. No. 
So this convinced <gasps> her that yep. what Stan had told her about them being targets of the mafia was true. Absolutely. And the two men with the guns did nothing because she's alive. So, well, what happened there? Stan Worst hitman ever. did some quick thinking yeah. and got them out of there. Okay. I don't know. So Stan told her that there were, or they both told her, they both told Pauline that there were security people around them who were protecting them. Uh, so Ted and Pauline have people dedicated to them that kind of wa- follow them and watch them and keep them safe. Kind of like Baron Trump. Isn't that mm-hmm. nice? Mm-hmm. Well, he's still not completely sure what those men in the dark seats are doing. I think in his so. Classroom. No. <laughs> Sorry, it is it is a government funded organization. It, there's an anti organized crime task force that was paid for by the government, but it was a secret. Oh. Mm. It was only known to the Privy Council. Mm. And okay. this is the day I found out that Canada has a Privy Council. What's a Privy Council? It's a council where they um, only go to outhouses. Or to go to the bathroom. The only time I ever heard Wait. of privy councils was like Queen Elizabeth the First. Yeah. The fuck sure, who is doesn't it? have a privy council? Everybody has a privy council. Okay, we have a privy council here in the United States, as far as you know. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, it's like advisors, I think. Yeah. Something private. like that. The yeah. private that well, know all the deep dark secrets. They are privy to mm-hmm. lots of different secrets. Well, so the privy council knows about this, but like, yeah. you no. know, the normal government and workers and police and all that kind of stuff. The prime minister? One would think. I would think the prime minister yes. would know about it. Mm-hmm. But just him. Otherwise, and the privy council. Big, big conspiracy. <laughs> Did you look at pretty privy council? Yeah. It's, it's too, too complicated to read. No, it's just a body that advises the head of state of a nation typically, but not always in the context of a monarch. Yeah. Government. Yeah. yeah, which is why I thought it was an the old... The word privy means well, private or secret. Yeah, I, I thought it was outdated. I, I'm, I'm just speculating here, but I, if Canada still has a privy council, it has no uh, any power of any way whatsoever, whatsoever because uh, the queen is no longer there to have a stage. So. Yeah. Well, she wasn't in the 70s either. No, I exactly. So Lord a, President is Jacob Rees-Mogg in Rees-Mogg. England. Rees-Mogg, Jacob. He's got a monocle. I would, I'm, I'm just, I mean, they didn't... Well, the if, Privy Council wouldn't have been the body that had this secret knowledge yeah. and power. Well, if you're Canadian, yeah, you know. What the fuck's a Privy Council? What do they do? <laughs> You'll do still they have, have Tell us about your Privy Council. And would they have run this operation here to save people from, from the mob? Well, so anyway, Pauline thought this was nuts. She didn't believe it. Mm-mm. She thought it must be a joke. But they tried to convince her by providing answers for all of the unexplained events in her life. Like the whole these, foot washing thing. These were the two people she trusted most, obviously, her mother and Stan. And she couldn't figure out what was it what what was there for them to gain if it wasn't real, right? Nothing. And trust was always one of her mother's main things. And you know, she would tell them growing up, like, you can make mistakes, that's normal, you know, and if you do, I'll still love you, but just don't lie. And just put this fucking plastic bags on your feet. Well, yeah. Um, They told her that, you know, as part of this government-funded security network, there were secret communities in remote areas throughout the country, kind of like an an alternative prison for people arrested for organized crime activities. Alternative prison. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And that they weren't uh, tried 
in the normal court system, they were tried okay. by military tribunals. <laughs> mm. And these secret communities were referred to as the Weird World. Ah. Oh, shit. This is the, the Weird title. World. And there was one in a remote area of British Columbia called Place of Hope. Place of Hope. So you said alternative prisons, but yes. they wouldn't be in prison because they're not, they didn't commit a crime. They just need protection from bad people, right? Well, you know, are you talking witness. about Stan and Pauline? Yeah. And, well, correct. But they they did have like locked facilities oh. for people organized crime people oh. that they oh. would take there, and they were tried by a military tribunal oh. instead of the regular courts, so, and they were taken to these secret prisons. So Canada had a bunch of Guantanamos all mm-hmm. over the country in, in the seventies. Yep. All right. And they would even take people there who like like low level organized <clears throat> crime people who. Guido, who didn't quite make the cut, but he was helpful around the restaurant. You know, like like they would catch people like staking out their Ruth and Pauline's house or whatever, mm-hmm. and so low level organized crime goons or whatever who <laughs> goons, <laughs> like goons. Okay. who um, you know lots of times they're strung out, they're desperate, they're right. you know. Sure. They're not the masterminds. They're not going to kill anybody. So they get caught by the Privy Council security forces, sure, sure. <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. they're yeah. called. Uh, they do have names, but the organized crime is the O. Yeah, sure. And so so they're caught. They're taken to weird worlds. a weird world place, okay. and they're locked up for a while. And sometimes they kind of reform. They feel bad because if they're you know, addicted to drugs or whatever, they can detox and then, and then they're given a job. In like, that place? Yeah. In so a place. lot of people live in a place of hope and they're like reformed criminals. So everybody, the, the tailor, the restaurateur, they're all actually reformed criminals in a quasi prison. Yeah. I, this would be a series. Or they're part of the security People, yes, who are who work there, and they pretend like they're the newspaper guy and the teacher and the principal. Well, I don't know that they I'm pretend. Carried, but, just let uh, me run with it. I like where you're going. Okay, and so like the little goon guy that I talked about, <laughs> he has to stay there because if he goes back to the real world, he's going to be targeted by the mafia. Yeah. So it, now it's for his protection too. Yeah. Originally, he was basically a criminal and a prisoner. But if, you know, he reforms and feels good about stuff again, <laughs> he still can't leave because he doesn't want to get killed by the O. So let's go to the word, weird world. He ain't coming back. Well, Stan, as a matter of fact, was living in Place of Hope, and he was yeah. helping to run it. So he was See? a big wig. Mm. He was in, posing as a minister. In the weird world. And he was doing a lot of counseling and, for, and you know, the goons, the goons. <laughs> caught up yeah. through no fault of their own. Or maybe a little fault of their own. Yeah, they were goons. But um, so he was living there. And so he was allowed to leave and come because he he would come and visit Ruth. And he was out now telling all of this to Pauline. It's not Amazon. It's not an Amazon warehouse. He was allowed (laughs) to leave. Unlike the Amazon warehouse. Not trapped forever. Well, so they explained to Pauline that Sybil knew everything about them being targets of the mafia, you know, because she was running with them when they had to leave on a dime and go camping or bowling three hours away or whatever. But Okay, that's the thing. We gotta get out of town for three hours. We go bowling three hours away. I'm 
I don't, that, that's weird. Well, it wasn't. We got to be. We got to be gone for three hours. It's they got word that you know the they, bad guys were coming to get them. So get out of the house. Be gone for a long time. <laughs> Think about that. So the good guys could go get the bad guys. But stay there for a number of more years in that same house where they can just come next day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm glad Pauline did not believe this. So they said Sybil knew all of this stuff, but she didn't want to live. She didn't want to go into the weird world and live in yeah. Place of Hope with Stan. So they were separated. Uh, he bought her a house on you know back in Vancouver or in the West, whatever I assume Vancouver. And she was happy. And Ruth and Stan didn't want to tell her, but they were in love. Oh, shocker. Ah, uh, yeah. Because they didn't want to hurt her. Mm. I'm sure. What about Sybil? She was not shocked by that. That's who I'm talking about. Oh. They what? Didn't, that Pauline. Oh, I thought didn't Pauline, wanna. yeah. They're, they don't you meant, s- they're telling Pauline now. Oh, okay. But, you know, so Pauline probably said, what the fuck, Stan? You're married. What about Sybil? Oh, uh, gotcha. I don't said, think Pauline talked like that. Sybil but... didn't want to go to the weird world. She's uh, happy in Vancouver. I bought okay. her a house. Oh, oh I thought you were talking She's about good, but we don't want to tell her we're in love because we don't. Gotcha. there's no reason to hurt gotcha. her. So she accepted the permanent separation from her husband. Uh, that was okay because she didn't want to go live in weird world Correct. where he was living. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You get it now? I do. So, now that Stan and Ruth could be together, because they got Sybil out of the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ruth decided she's going to go inside and live in the weird world with Stan, so they could finally be together. So they spend the whole weekend, you know, telling Pauline all of this stuff, and, you know, they explain, oh, I didn't tell you about this earlier, but one day when the kids came home, they saw their mom throwing out all of the food in the refrigerator, putting it into plastic garbage bags, everything, even like the ketchup and the mustard things that, you know, are a little bit less perishable and don't go bad if the power goes out for a little while. Yeah. Mustard is bad from the minute it's made. And oh, the God. mom said, told them, you know, well, the food went bad. So I have to throw everything Mom, out. It's beef, jerky, and canned <laughs> soup. I, I, I think it's fine. Well, they said... The reason why she had to do that is because someone tipped them off that there was poison yep. in the food, and she didn't know what mm-hmm. had been poisoned, so she had to throw everything Those out. Those Bond villain mobsters keep on trying, yeah. Yeah. rather than just whack them. Rather than just shoot them. Just shoot them. Same th- you guys sound skeptical. A little bit. A little bit. Same thing with the chemicals on the carpet incident. Uh, yep, somebody had... Poison their carpet. That, Carrie, that's a common mob method. Yeah, everyone knows mm-hmm. that yeah. they do that. They, it, it, bother, it makes you itch your feet, and you itch your feet so hard they start to bleed, and slowly over when you go to bed, you bleed to death. It's a, well, it's been done. Don't worry about it. I think it's just poison that leaches up into your system through the soles uh, of your feet. Yeah, yeah, and or that. Yeah. There's two ways. So anyway, and all those little unexpected hiking and camping trips, it was they had to lay low because there was a threat. And the security people had to come in and make sure it clear the area, make sure okay. everything was so okay. So the security people always know every single time knew when there's a threat. So they have them what? Sur- chatter. Constantly the chatter. Surve- surveilled. And then yes. they said, just go ahead and leave for a few hours and you'll be fine. Well, I'll tell you something about that in a minute. Okay. One time when they took a hiking trip and ended up at a remote cabin and ended up staying there, it was because... Uh, Stan had gotten word that there was a carload of men heading from the airport to their house with an order to make Ruth disappear. No. Yep. 
mm-hmm. the night of the sleepover at the Sears. Like ma- you mean like magic? Like they're magicians and they're gonna. I mean, they'll bring it back, but no, oh, <laughs> much worse. I mean, like disappear forever. Oh no. Uh, the night of the sleepover with the strange sounds coming from the basement oh, that we, you assume oh, was shit. a sex mm-hmm. orgy. Yeah, I do. Um, that was the night that the Cosa Nostra came for them. Oh, that's why the dog was so sad. Stan had said they had to be together that night. That's why the sleepover, be, so that their coverage could double up. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, the Cosa Nostra is yeah. Yeah. extra skilled. Damn right they are. And the noises that they heard, it was a lethal fight in the basement. <gasps> No. The bad guys came in heavily armed through the basement windows and a fight ensued. Their fist sec- fight. Everyone's armed, but they had a fist fight. The Their b- security <laughs> lost one man, but the bad guys lost two. So we so, won. Yeah. All right. Yep. And the rules of fighting, yes. they had to leave. And per Vietnam War mm-hmm. rules. So the reason won. why the Cosa Nostra was after them, Stan gave an involved explanation about money laundering businesses with links to the Italian mob and some things set up in her mother's name a long time ago sure. were set up a long time ago. So they that's just, they're just helping out their friends in the Canadian mob. Yeah. yeah. And you do favors for each other. Yeah. The yes. mobs are notoriously really like chummy <laughs> with each other. They're so. cooperative. So you talked about you got to be gone for a few hours and then yeah. come back kind of thing. Well, Stan had a communication device. Oh. So he could get messages from the O. The oh, o, no, the O yeah. is the bad guys. Yeah, it's from, organized crime. He, he would get messages from the good guys. G. It was, I forget what, I don't remember what it was called. Look but up, G. It was this device in the lining of his wallet oh, that would send, of his wallet. it would send out more Morse code. I don't know why. <laughs> it's more, more Morse code. Morse it's, it's code. It's Canadian Morse code. They said they have three M's. It's Morse code. Morse code <laughs> messages. So, you know, he, his wallet would be in his back pocket and he'd feel it okay. and he'd say, and he always carried around a little notepad and he would, it would be dots and dashes and he would have to. <laughs> Translate the Morse code into the message. Mom, put poison on carpet. Oh, my God. I, oh, I, I'll tell her right now to have her kids wash her feet, put plastic baggies yep. on them. And so he wanted to know if they could put a tracking device on her car so that you know her security detail would know where she was if she, if she needed help <laughs> and if convenient. she was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it would make it easier for them to protect her. He also wanted to give her a little radio device and he showed her how to set it to receive and transmit messages. So he's so he made her wear a bug that he could listen to. With uh, he's brilliant. This guy's a genius. Sorry, I'm being uh, suspicious. Yeah, no, there again. wasn't a listening device. Mm, you was, sure about that? Yeah, it you know it was probably a Radio Shack walkie-talkie, and that he turned into a listening device. And, he's a spy. But she was only to transmit if she was really in danger and needed to call for help. And he warned her that it was only if her life was in danger because if she used it, people would come and risk their lives to protect her. Wow. So it's not like a Karen. If like the manager will not make good her meal, she should not use it for that. Correct. Okay. So... I mean, but her steak was really rare, Carrie. If like, you could imagine, <laughs> Pauline was overwhelmed by all of this. Overwhelmed. At was. this point, she decided to believe it. Really? Mm-hmm. Pauline. Well, think about it. These are the two most trusted people in your life. As far as you know, your mother's never lied to you. <laughs> Except when she said, I'll tell you when you're older. 
And now she's telling her when she's older. So she didn't. She never liked her. Correct. Except now this entire story, everything has come out of her mouth in the last six hours. Well, Ted had already moved back uh, back to Vancouver. And actually for some period of time, he lived with their father. So he was there, not around. So they didn't tell him any of this. Pauline, like I said, she was a reporter for a newspaper in St. John. She was engaged and, you know, they had bought that house and she went back, but she was told she can't tell her fiance any of this. She can't tell anybody. Oh my God. So she's feeling pretty freaked out. She felt isolated and, and like her work doesn't matter anymore because, you know, the mob is after her and, the mob. you know, yeah. And she was kind of having problems with her fiance already. Her work on the St. John's Weekly Advertiser didn't matter. Like, no. I mean, that's... Yeah. Huh. All the silly little stories that she was working on Carrie. just seemed I mean, very insignificant now in her life. But Mrs. Johnson uh, was able to get a good deal on uh, sliced bread. <laughs> Those stories are important. That's Sorry. pretty dismissive, Dean. It is very dismissive of local journalism. So anyway... Rightfully. She started looking at everybody around her, you know, looking to see if cars are following her. She was afraid to go out at night when evening she was making dinner or whatever and she needed an ingredient. And the store was like literally a block away and across the street and she was afraid to, Jeez. you know, walk a block. She did, so she, but she was afraid the whole time. She bought it. Yes. And she said she also felt like she was going to lose her mother at any minute. You know, her mom would go into the weird world with... Stan. And so all of this, like I said, put a strain on her relationship and she ended up breaking up with her fiance. And I think Stan periodically would come and visit and, you know, she would visit with him and stuff. And so finally she decided, why not? I'll go inside with mom and Stan too. She figured if it's not real, if I agree to go and it's not yeah. real, I'll never have to go, right? Yeah. If I agree to go and it is real. Free cottage. And I go. Right. Then, set her up. then I was in, I'm in danger and I need to be there. True. Right? True. So that's, yes. that's her logic. It's like believing in God. You Correct. Just, you've covered your bases. Yeah. Yep. And if you're wrong, eh. Not, nothing no bad's going to happen. Nope. And Stan did tell her that they were building a little cottage for him and her mom and that if she wanted to they would build one for her too they See? they even had her look at carpet samples and oh, not, all that not kind of poisonous stuff. carpet samples i hope no okay also to help convince her ruth and stan would bring or stan would bring pauline letters from people in the weird world <laughs> and they were from people she knew the first letters she got were from her half-brother and half-sister, Tom and Linda. <gasps> oh, shit. God, Tom and Linda. Forgot I forgot about Tom, about and, Tom Linda. and Linda. They were yeah. in the weird world. Signed, Tom and Linda. Apparently, Tom and Linda had been working with the mob. Wait, what? And they had been arrested, and they were now inside. First in the prison part of the weird world, but... They came around and saw hope, the error of their ways. I was hoping Tom and Linda were there because they were being protected. Yeah. The, but they're... Oh, nope. They regretted what they'd done. That's good. But they were also victims in a way because of their dad, yeah, right? Yeah. He got them into it. It's kind of like how I got you kids into smoking. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Stan said that Linda had been arrested for running a prostitution ring and recruiting new girls, which is Jesus. a bad that's, thing that's to do. That's pretty bad, yeah. That's, uh, and that uh, her brother Tom had been involved in drug trafficking, money laundering, and strong arm stuff. Strong okay. And he was addicted to drugs. And when he was arrested, he was strung out and violent and everything. And But over time... They became reformed, and they were happy living and working in the real world. Linda was there working as a nurse, and her brother Tom was working in electronics. He's probably making bugs cool. and, and receivers and transmitters and car tracking Care devices. Care if you worked at Radio Shack. Just let's be, <laughs> try to sell the Tandy 1000. Other letters were from people from her childhood that that she couldn't even remember or that she had forgotten about. These all, they all live in Word World? Yes. <laughs> really? Some, Every friend you ever had ever. lives in Word World. Some letters were from, she got some letters from her godparents who... Tom and Donna? ...were asking <laughs> for forgiveness for their involvement in terrorizing her over the years. Wow. So her godparents, they must have been friends of her dad's or oh, something. Okay. And so, yeah, so they were also involved with the mafia. Sure. But sure. they regretted. And did they all did all these letters have the same handwriting? And did it look look a lot like Stan's? No. no? In no. fact, okay. some were written in Greek. cursive, some yeah. were written in printing, and some were even typed. Mm. Oh, well, Very isn't that strange. convenient? <laughs> she says that like, well, there, same there you go. asshole for being <laughs> suspicious. They were typed. How well, do you fake that? This created an issue for Pauline because if Tom and Linda were in the real word weird world, yeah. what about the people that? She had seen over the years that she, you know, she's seen Tom and Linda. Oh, yeah, They're yeah, her yeah. half brother and half sister. Well, they did, like day trip passes kind of a thing. She'd maybe? been to Vancouver and oh. visited her father and seen them, and she'd seen her godparents. Well, hmm. Ted was living in Vancouver and regularly golfed with their half brother Tom, hmm. and she knew this. And he'd seen Linda even more often than she did when Linda, because Linda was living somewhere else when she would go visit their father. She was married. She had children. Weird. Mm. Stan might have um, gone a little too far in the nope, detail. No, a little bit. That was easy. Stan oh. could explain okay. that. Okay, all right. They were doubles. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know we how know Winston what? Churchill had a double during sure, the war? Sure. And We've all had doubles. Here. You know, Melania has a double. Melania has a double? Of course, Melania. Where have you been? I didn't know that. Yes. Here, but I didn't know she Hillary had a Clinton has a double. Who does? Hillary Clinton. What? Can I think these are just impersonators you're thinking of here? <laughs> They're not technically doubles. No. Yeah, Carrie. Carrie Alec Baldwin is not Donald Trump's double. I don't know if you you may you, you may think most that. of the time when you see photos of Melania and and Donald, it's her double. Something's happening. <laughs> this is not true. You need to look at the internet more often, uh, Dean. Damn it. I'm getting behind in my conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And this was hard for her to believe because, you know, some of these people she knew quite well. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, they had weird things. In fact... Eventually, all of Canada is either living in Word World or, or doubles for people living in Word World. And that's... Yeah. That, they had gone to her brother's wedding and her father was there and um, an aunt or whatever, and her father has a weird thing in one of his eyes, like, it's you know, how, when you have a spot in your eye? Mm-hmm. It's a moat. It is a moat. How do you know that? Anyway, moat in God's so eye. he has one of that, one of those, and so she thought, because he told her this was a double, that yeah. wasn't your father. Well, 
how could they how do, could you do that? They yeah. have the technology to inject a artificial an artificial moat into anyone's eye. This is not complicated. No contacts. It's even less complicated than uh, that. Oh yeah, I didn't know. I was going and for the, the hard answer. They have very good. They have a team of plastic surgeons. Mm. Good people, makeup artists with prosthetics and sure. everything. Sure. And what year is this? They this get still this, the 80s. This is probably in the 80s. They have get you seen what Jason uh, Bateman? Mo- Jason. Jason Momoa? Jason Momoa? Looks like in real life. Oh, that oh. dumb commercial. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yes, that's terrible. But anyway, they get these people and they, they train them for months to mimic these people. Yeah. and They're that valuable <laughs> to Clearly. the government, to the Privy Council. Uh-huh. So they're trained to step into hmm. other people's lives. It was difficult for I, me I to am, believe this. I am impressed with Stan's imagination. Mm-hmm. Well, so after this, he could have been a trip lawyer. Where he brought the letters for her, then he returned to the weird, weird world while Ruth and Pauline waited to get word back from him that their cottages were ready <laughs> and they would be joining him. And there would, be the, you know, usually the delays were because there were threats. If they went inside, mm. quote, all hell would rain down on the people they left behind. What the fuck? Wait, what? If they went into the weird world. If Pauline and Ruth yeah. disappear uh, into the real world, yeah. the weird world, yeah. the mafia is going to freak out and then go after their loved ones that they left mm. behind. But there are tons of people in the w- weird world. But they're not as important, yeah. apparently. That makes yeah, sense. they're very important. I'm less impressed with Stan's bullshit now. But. So every couple of months, Stan would come and visit. On one weekend, oh yeah, this is funny. One week, it's not funny. One weekend <laughs> visit with Ruth and Pauline. You know, they they go and they you know spend a weekend at a cozy little motel somewhere, and I don't know what they do. It's weird. I do. And Wait, who does? Stan and yeah. Ruth and Pauline. Okay. When let's just say when Pauline goes through for walks, I think we know what's going on. Well, anyway, Stan had received a message probably on his, you know, Morse code wallet about a ship that had drifted into Canadian waters somewhere off of Nova Scotia. And there's a bunch of injured people on the ship in bad shape. And it had apparently all these people had been kidnapped and the bad guys, the kidnappers, for some reason abandoned the ship. Maybe because the Ghost Guard was after them. I don't, maybe, I don't remember. But uh, the people on board were victims whose organs were being harvested. Wow. Oh, shit. And That's... they weren't that far away, wherever they were in their little vacation. They weren't that far away. So the, um, the good guys, I don't know what they're called, asked them... Do you think you could go help? See if you could help with some of the injured people on board. So they asked, you know, Pauline, would you be willing to go help some of these injured people? And she says, sure, let's go see what we can do. So they raced to a drugstore to get all of the, you know, first aid things they could get, gather. And, you know, they're racing in the car to go save these injured people. Pauline's in the back tearing towels into strips to, you know, make bandages out Boiling of and hot stuff. water, as you do. And uh, before they can arrive, before they arrive, Stan receives another message that they're good. They've gotten the people to some hospital or whatever. So they were people that had been drugged and kidnapped <laughs> and brought on okay. board this ship with doctors in surgical gear ready to harvest their organs and then just left to die. 
And some oh. people, there were there were victims on operating tables mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. cut open and just left there because the bad guys had to abandon ship real fast. That's how COVID-19 started. Remember it started on cruise ships? That was a cover for those <laughs> mass organ, organ harvesting, harvesting. Oh, operations. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Is he going to be able to explain the Shag Harbor USO incident? I hope. Mm-mm. Fingers crossed, please. No? Damn it. Sorry. Shoot. Because he probably had something. Or he at least knew about it. He's... So, you know, Pauline was all hyped up to go see that, and she didn't, she didn't get to. Ah, darn it. So they were so told... She never quite got to see uh-uh. any shit throughout her life. They were told that they could go visit her brother Ted in Vancouver and tell him what was going on. That's nice. Because when they go into the weird world, you know, Ted needs to know why they're gone. He'll be in danger, so he right? He'll get go? killed. So Ted can't go? Well, Ted could go if he wanted to. But if he doesn't go, right? You said he's, they're going to go after yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. So, so when they told him... Bye, he, Ted. Sorry. He was visibly upset. Yeah, because my parent, my mom is crazy, and my sister believes her. Mm-hmm. This is not a good thing. And he was warned, don't tell your fiancé, but he told her anyway. Of course. And... He said going inside was never an option for him. He didn't even consider it for a second. Because he knew it it was insane. And Pauline and Ted couldn't talk about any of this over the phone, you know, after she left and went back home because their phones were probably bugged. Mm. And, you know, Ted ends up getting married and has his wife has a baby. And Pauline, after they had the baby, Pauline went to visit. And so now they could talk about it. And... Ted had actually been given a radio too, like hers, because you know he has a security detail keeping yeah. him safe too. Are you 100 sure these aren't bugs? And that'd be very clever if stand up they were. What, what, what would stand here? I mean, oh, what no. would stand care? Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So anyway, keep an um, eye, keep tabs on them. Ted told her, you know, that he was warned, but if you need, if you use it, make sure your life yeah. really is in danger because. <laughs> Well, he used it. So Stan said that to Ted? Yeah. Wow, Stan's ballsy. He just assumes everybody's going to believe his bullshit. Pauline, yeah, obviously. Well, I mean, so, I'm sorry, uh, Ruth. but So Ted used it, and he said nothing happened. <laughs> of course not. And he even he had a friend in a police department, and he went to the friend and told the friend, you know, here's this crazy story, and I don't know if it's true or not. And, and the friend stopped laughing. And, and the they, friends told him, that's crazy, man. I, You know, I don't know what to tell you. And, you know, there's no such thing. But, dude, this is a pager. So, <laughs> but even if it's real, the police don't know about it. That's true. They're so, not on the Privy Council. Yes. So, they're not Privy Council. So, exactly. his and his policeman friend just like dropped it at that. And he thought, you know, he wanted to be told, oh, go talk to, you know, maybe if you go talk to this agency or this whatever, you know, they could help you. But his friend had no recommendation, and so he it made it less likely for him to believe it. But you know, Stan would have an explanation I'm why sure his would. policeman. Remember friend, when he used it? Yeah, nothing happened. Nah. Oh, did an ice cream truck come down the road later on? Yes. Okay, that there was then. Go. When they saw there you were go. safe, they didn't go into operational mode. Well, Ted. And so when Ted told her, I used my radio and it didn't work, and I talked to my cop friend. She's starting to think, Yeah, gosh, you know. We're a little bit worried about our mom now. Yeah, and that whole stuff, shit about the doubles we know is bullshit. Yeah, so, I'm so starting to yeah, I mean, wonder if I'm getting my cottage. She never 100% believed it, but she really had a hard time believing her mom would lie to her. 
about all this kind of stuff. I 100% believe my mom was lying. That's what she told me. <laughs> Not a problem. Yep. Well, I believed my mom was a Russian spy, so I probably yeah. would have thought my yeah. mom was one of the bad guys. Mm. Well, That's weird. <laughs> just, just so you know, you could try all that shit at me. I absolutely not believe you. I would think you're, you need help. I yeah. know you would. And I would get you help. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you get two doctors to sign off on my committal oh, papers. Man, if we could still do that, that'd be so, so great. I know, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so one day after she visited her brother, she came home. She called her mom to say, Mom, my house was broken into. <laughs> and her mom said, Well, hold on. Don't call the police. Uh, <laughs> Use your device. <laughs> let me check with our friend uh, and I'll call you back. Stan? Stan. Okay. And Pauline knew that Stan was visiting her mom at uh, this time. I bet, you, I bet he was. So her mom calls her right back and says, yes. In fact, two people broke into your house looking for certain things, but they were apprehended and they have him in custody. They'd been following her and they had pictures of her in their car. <gasps> so this was it for Pauline. She, mm. At this point, she knows that it's all a hoax. Her house wasn't broken into... <sighs> She duped. She, she basically set her mom up. Oh my God! She ran a sting operation on her mom. Mm-hmm. Damn. I like that, Pauline. To see what would happen. So while Stan was still in town, she arranged to have dinner with her mom and Stan, and she needed to get her mom alone. So she said, "Let's go out and grab something for dessert." And when they were out, she told her mom what she did—that oh. her house wasn't broken into, so they could not have apprehended anybody. And found pictures of her. She said, in the Does car. this mean I'm not getting ice cream mochi? <laughs> <laughs> her mom was horrified. Yeah, well. And, but not for the reason you think. Oh, <laughs> good. Really? She, I know why. Why? Why? She was horrified because Stan told her that, you know, they had been apprehended and it wasn't like <gasps> Pauline's doing. Like it was all Stan. No, she was worried that now that Pauline didn't believe it, she wouldn't be careful and she would do risky things and she uh, would be in danger. So she feels bad that Pauline doesn't understand the truth. Yes. That's so clear. The severity so of the situation. They went back and told Stan. And he said, you know, oh, there must be some explanation. He would, you know, let them know and there'd be an investigation. And somebody's getting fired over the, this. Yeah, there must have been a mix up, blah, 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 blah. She said he never got angry. He just seemed to react with sadness. You know, like sadness that she didn't believe it anymore. Kind of <laughs> like finally they're seeing through my bullshit. Yeah. I'm sad. So, well, not Ruth. Ruth still believed it. So Pauline cuts off contact with Stan at this point, but not with her mother. She still has a relationship with her mother. Things are a little bit strained, but, you know, kind of as long as they don't talk about it. <laughs> they don't yeah. talk about Stan. How about the Leafs? So years nice year. go by. And Stan is still on the inside, and Ruth's move is still being delayed. Jesus. Ruth never moves to the weird world with Stan. And, and Ruth continues to believe it. Yes. Jeez. She always believed it. And in fact, Stan and Sybil were still living together. What? Out Stan in the West. A genius. He would make excuses to Sybil about why he had to leave and go back East as a minister. Yeah, or, sure, you know, sure. And Ministers travel a lot. Going to visit Ruth. Ministers and securities. And Sybil had no idea. So basically, Stan had a mistress yeah. Yeah. Stan for had, decades. Stan decades. had two families, yeah. basically. That's what I mean. Yeah. He is a legend among bullshitters. So he did all this to sleep with Ruth. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And maintain control and over her. 
and did this for years. Yeah. Pauline went to work for the CBC radio in Halifax and she got married and had two daughters and was able to have a nice relationship with her mother, especially after her daughters were born, because then, you know, you have something in common that you both love kind of thing. Grand, grand. Uh huh. <laughs> like Lily. And it had been a long time since Ruth had seen Stan. You know, he stopped coming as often as he was, and she would get an occasional letter. Then in 1996, the letters stopped coming. Oh, no. Oh, no. And both Pauline and Ruth received letters from Sybil mm. saying Stan had died of a stroke. And his genius has died with him. Mm-hmm. So, no, so Pauline never thought to contact Sybil? Throughout any of this, yeah, and say, uh, yeah, I guess so. Not. How's the weird place? No, so Sybil wasn't in the weird place. I remember? thought she was. No, no she was she living out in Vancouver, happy. Oh, that she was. Oh, yeah, yeah, she didn't want to go to the, go weird, to the weird world. world. Yeah, yeah. So does that mean? Well, Stan told Pauline that Sybil, you know, believed in the word yes. world, just didn't want to go. Okay, so correct. It would have been very, it, you're right, if she had called Sybil and Sybil says, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, about? why didn't you want to go to the weird world? Like, you know, yeah, can you talk, then, can you, enli- you know, I need someone to talk to about this. Like, that would have cleared up everything immediately. Well, if yeah. you mistresses call the woman of... No, she's talking about Pauline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Pauline. I'm saying yeah, Pauline. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, not yeah, Ruth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as point. a child, like I told you, Pauline and Sybil had a great relationship. Yeah. They yeah. were, Why didn't you know, Pauline? Pauline, why didn't you call Well, Sybil for one thing, she knew her. she couldn't talk about it over the phone because the phones were bugged. Okay, again. If she if talked about sane, it over the phone, she'd you know be in danger. And you call Sybil and say, just by the way, your husband is telling my mom some crazy shit. Let me run it down and see if you have heard any of this stuff. And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, Pauline became a health reporter. And so... In doing her, in the course of doing her job, she came across an article about something called delusional disorder, mm-hmm. and it's an incredibly rare disorder. It frequently has a late onset, late in life onset, and there's no outward symptoms. People who have it usually appear completely normal, but they have a fixed delusion, hmm. and they don't believe they're ill. Because they don't feel ill. They don't feel mentally ill either. There's no other symptoms, no other, no other um, impacts on their life except for whatever this, this delusion. fixed delusion is. Mm. And the people who have it generally have a normal mental health examination except for whatever their weird delusion yeah. is. And the more intelligent a person is, the more complex and believable their delusion could be. Mm-hmm. So... You know, she talked to this, doc, you know, Harvard medical school doctor or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who talked about this delusion. And, of course, he had never met Stan, but it sounded to him like Stan could have had delusional disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he really believed it. And so his brain makes up this very complex delusion with... Lots of characters mm-hmm. and, you know, made up places and all that kind of stuff. So while it didn't help a whole lot, Pauline and Ted's view of Stan. So they, they believe that's, that Stan suffered from this ailment? Uh, well, I don't know what Ted believes, but okay. Pauline does. And possible. She doesn't know just, with 100% I mean, certainty. You have to admit it. It seems but insanely it, convenient. But it helps that there was no malice behind it, that he wasn't yeah. trying to manipulate 
her entire family. Unless he was. And he could have been, that's an incredibly elaborate thing to go through to have Yes, but your, does your delusion is your delusion so convenient it allows you to, to control a mistress for mm-hmm. decades? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That seems coincidental. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the first thing that she thought it was like folly ado, which we've talked yeah. about before, where one per and that's a delusion also, right? Yeah. One person has a crazy notion and just you know brings a, a more, second person yeah. into the crazy notion. Yeah, it's basically a shared delusion. Yeah, which. I don't think so. I, I mean, yeah, delusional it, disorder sounds it more. It could be. Yeah, I tend toward right. the prosaic because, as you said, this is insanely rare, and men manipulating women is insanely common. Mm-hmm. So yes, but those mani- manipulative men tend to have other abusive behaviors, I and say he that. literally didn't. He was kind and nice. And I mean, her book goes into more detail about the interactions that they had when she was a child. And he was wonderful. And, you know, he was the buffer when in her difficult teen years with her mother, you know, and he he was a helpful, wonderful influence in her life growing up. And so it's hard to believe that he was just like an evil guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so at all. I do. He's just a makes him a smooth scammer. As long as she's believing it, uh, Ruth, I mean, and she always did. Yeah, Ruth believed it. He doesn't have to be, uh, you know, he's not, the, he's not the type who manipulates through power plays. He's the type who manipulates through these elaborate uh, yeah, stories I that was able to possible. control her because she was obviously suggestible. And yeah, Ruth believed it until she died. And she died of cancer, I think. Even after Stan died and everything, she never once yeah. thought the, nope. real, the weird world wasn't real. No. Nope. Jesus. Now her only connection, Stan, was dead, so she'd never find Got to, a place of hope. Yeah. 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 She um, she died in 2010, yeah. and uh, when she was sick with cancer, she lived, you know, Pauline had her come live with her in her house, and, you know, I guess that they finally talked about it, and her mother said, oh, how you must have hated me if yeah. you didn't believe any of this ever was true you must hate me and obviously she said no i don't hate you but i've been angry with you (laughs) but so that's mom but yeah but no i don't honestly for me the saddest part of the whole thing is it made them not have any relationship with their dad yeah ever and he wanted to so it wasn't like he just oh they moved to winnipeg i guess i'll never see my kids again yeah she didn't tell him where they were, you know, when they, they just moved and didn't tell the kid's father. And he did find them because Pauline sent him a letter. Mm. She wasn't supposed to. So she defied her mom. And one day he showed up at their house. And, you know, her mom was probably like, oh my God, how Jesus. did you get here? Because, you know, she thought he was a mobbed up, you know, yeah. mafioso. And, and, you know, he was pretty abusive yeah. with her. Yeah. I don't think he was physically abusive, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Throwing a sword at her wasn't great. Yeah. And um, so he showed up and he wanted to see the kids. And the kids, understandably so, are freaked out by everything. I think it was, it might have been her counselor, the wonderful counselor that I just praised a little while ago, 
who said it would be better for them not to see the not to really? see their dad. Yeah. Mm. And I I think it was you know she thought that the strain of the divorce and everything was contributing to why Pauline was depressed and all that kind mm. of stuff. So it would it would be better to get her stabilized and so not to to see the dad, not to have the, you know, being pulled in all directions kind of thing maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So the dad reluctantly agreed because he thought it was in the best interest of his daughter's health. And so I think Mm. that's kind of sad. That is sad. Because he wanted to see them. See, he was a mobster with a heart of gold. Yeah. But he was a mobster. (laughs) But he was was an alcoholic mobster. Yes. Yes. Well, and he, because he said he had stopped drinking and, you know. Well, I can see how it's easier for her, Pauline, to, you know, forgive. And I mean, like you said, she loved uh, Stan Stan, and, and looked up to him like a surrogate father. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's easier to make someone that, like that a little more innocent by mm-hmm. ascribing it to mental yeah. illness, not to manipulation. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. But could you imagine? No. Actually, I Yes. I I'm couldn't. Cooking up a story right now for these little <laughs> bastards. I think it's something. We're not little Real bastards. I'm 20. Your yeah. youngest child is it is You're going to have to do it with your grandchildren someday. For yeah. she was told by yeah, but, her mother. But she had but a she lifetime of weird things. Weird things. That's true. We that this explains. Yes, when, when, <laughs> when I have kids, you can do this. Oh, okay, that's, that's cool. good mothering that's cool. there. That's cool. Well, it's not going to be me. It'll just be there. They have really weird grandparents. Yeah. That are probably spies. Well, so anyway, her book is Run, Hide, Repeat by Opaline Dakin is her name, D-A-K-I-N. And I got, I read most of her book, but also I found this in an article from the BBC. And then there's also an article on The Guardian. And then I listened to a podcast called Betrayed. It's a Canadian random house podcast or something okay. like that okay well thank you for that sourcing here that live sources that you yeah it's cool. important okay that's it <clears throat> the story of weird world a very weird story. very weird that story. is super weird yeah. i just i yeah i name. just think the the mom was ill in some way yeah. and and i think possibly stan was ill as as well in I some way but also just the manipulative see the mom the mom wasn't ill she was just yeah. um gullible g- vulnerable yeah mm. very Vulnerable, yeah, and gullible. Yep. And Stan was, you know, so Stan, Stan's in a perfect position to take advantage of that. Because yeah. remember, he was counseling her early on mm-hmm. in yeah. this, and he's got it. Hey, hey, I've been thinking about writing a novel. Instead of doing that, why don't I just live it? Yeah. <laughs> and see if I can get this woman to Yikes. a sleep with me, which he did. Of course. And B believe some bullshit so I can keep her under control. Did and keep Stan her close and to me. Sybil have children? Yes. But Stan, I get the. Um, feeling that he was older because by the time yeah I he was in their it. lives i think the, the kids were grown oh I mean, they were older yeah they that weren't around sense. like i was gonna say like did they grow up together or? no uh-uh. hmm. yeah so that's it also it may someday be a movie or a tv show really? and i will play yeah. pauline yes yeah, they'll <laughs> hire only canadian actors i'm sorry no they won't canada has got a thing for that no yeah. they don't they get some money no. The hair Canadian people. Sorry about that. Absolutely um, I'll just Ryan fucking Reynolds pretend. I have Canadian heritage. Rachel McAdams. and Part of my family is French Canadian, so <laughs> that wise works. That's true. Well, thank you, Carrie. You're welcome, Dean. Thank you. Appreciate that. Good story. Thanks. Weird one. I like that it's, it's super obscure. I like those. Yeah. 
no one's really heard about that. That I, I've never heard of it. Uh, thanks. Well, if Dean hasn't heard of it. Then. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Okay. Please uh, subscribe, rate, review. Carrie? Weird World Podcast on all the things except for Twitter, which is Weird World Pod. That I never, 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 never do. And Weird World Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. See ya.